like this. One more time. Say it for me one more time, baby. Come on. out there it's your girl author and literary personality destiny carter and in case you didn't know you are officially on a date with destiny tonight we have a date night first timer author dahlia rose we're gonna get right into it how are you are you with us i am with you hey destiny how are you doing doing so great it's so good to have you here um on season 16 of a date with destiny Oh, it's, I'm just thrilled to be here with you. I was so happy when you invited me. I am glad we finally made it happen. Now, we're going to talk about um, writing and some of your work, like uh, Bringing Up Mommy, Three Times a Lady, The Black Wolf's Wedding. How would you describe the genre that you write in? I would describe it that I write um, interracial romance, and I have many subgenres because I'm all over the place. If I see something, and I'm I'm a very visual writer, so a lot of my um, surroundings just click ideas for me. So I write also military romance. I write paranormal. I write urban fantasy. I can switch to a contemporary, or I can have a combination of maybe, you know, paranormal and contemporary. It's just really wherever the plot takes me, and that's where I basically push forward and go to. Now, okay, I've and you're going to be my first author identifying in the interracial romance genre. Let's talk about that for a little bit because okay. I think in the in the book industry, um labels sometimes either hinder or help. Like I have a problem with just because it's a black author them automatically putting the book in the urban section. Mm-hmm. Um a black writer does not necessarily mean, or a writer of color does not necessarily mean an urban book. You you understand what I'm saying? I understand exactly what you're saying. So let, let's talk about the, for those who may not have even realized that this is a genre, um, the interracial romance. Well, interracial romance means that basically, for me, it's a black female and a white male. It also can be a white female or a black male. Um, Multicultural usually means that it's going to be, a heroine could be any ethnicity, and the hero could be any ethnicity. I write interracial because basically that's my life. My husband's um, Caucasian and I'm white, and we have a parcel of little mixed babies all over the place. So, I write interracial romance, and because that's what I know. When I first started out in interracial romance, they called it a niche or a fantasy genre because it really wasn't being done. There was only a very few of us that was writing black woman, white male storylines. So, as the years went by, it's definitely grown because there are many many authors out there that are now writing under this, you know, flagship and we they just really portray, you know, a love 
connection between two people from different ethnicities or black women, white male, white male, you know, they basically try to give each and every one of them a voice because for a long time, interracial relationships, marriages, everything was really, really illegal in the United States. Right. Now, go ahead. Go ahead. No, finish your thought. Go ahead. I was saying with that now, with that being more of a genre, we we did get a lot of backlash about it, you know, like this is not going to happen and, you know, this is not how relationships work. That was my next question. So you, I I was wondering because even now um, my first serious um, relationship was an interracial relationship in the South, Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. So, um, I went to a 90% black high school. He was one of seven white boys in the whole school. Um, Mm -hmm. So the white girls felt I was taken from there. He was smart, cute on the football team. The white girls was mad at me for taking their eligible, this from their small pool. And the black girls was mad at me because they thought I was better than them. Or I thought Mm -hmm. I was better than them. Um, So I, I can understand that that there is some backlash even in 2019 in the in the political climate that we're in and the division that we clearly see across social media across the news it's everywhere yeah definitely well i mean with me i'm excuse me i'm from the caribbean and the caribbean we definitely deal with more european tourists and everything and we i grew up seeing aunts that were white and, you know, Indian. I grew up with a UK set mindset that, you know, color didn't matter. It was honestly the only time when I really figured it out is when I moved to the United States and definitely when I moved to the South because I live in North Carolina. That's right. when I figured out not only were, you know, Caucasian people mad at me, but, you know, people, black people were mad at me. There was times where we'd be out dancing and a black guy would come and try to drag me away from dancing with him, not knowing that was my husband. And it and literally would start a fight. Or I would have, you know, women thinking, like you said, I'm better, I'm acting like I'm better than them. I'm really not. I had black men tell me, you know, you're going against your race and you're diluting our race and who hurt you, sister, to make you have to turn to a white man. I'm like, I love who I love has nothing to do with his color wasn't the first thing that I saw. Okay, because we met when he was based deployed in Iraq. So I didn't see his color for months. <laughs> so I fell in love with the person, not the color. And I didn't think that a divisiveness was so prevalent in the South even to this day. And it's just like amazing that people still see us as either a black angry woman or a couple that is just going against the grain and it's completely I've had people say, I can't believe you married to a white man or a white woman saying, Oh, your husband's white I'm like, what does it matter? Why is color such a big prevalent thing now? And it still is and it's very sad. I can remember um when David and I were dating, the bodyguard had just come out. And um, we were walking down the street, minding our own business, getting ready to go get me some Chinese food because that's what I wanted. 
Um, and the guy hollers out, Whitney got all y'all sisters dating white men. And I'm like, dude. No kind of poose whatsoever when they say stuff like that. Right. And it's like, first of all, it's none of your business who I'm dating because I wouldn't be dating you even if I wasn't with him. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, we love who we love and we have to find that perfect fit. I think that I look at it like a puzzle piece. Not every puzzle piece is going to fit, regardless of what color you are. And your your love has to match and mesh with someone. And the first thing, and I think that a lot of people really lose out on a, an amazing love because they think that color must be first. That's not the first thing you look at. The first thing you look at is, is this person good enough for you? Are you good enough for them? Can you two work together in a 50-50 to elevate each other? But most lately, especially now in this climate, the first thing that people see is color. And I think they're selling each other short. And, you know, I often ask the question, in 29, I understand why racism and slavery existed when it did. Um, racism started because when we came to this country, we weren't people, we were property. And Mm -hmm. that was the mentality and the, in the mindset. Um, however, it's 2019 now and there's a plethora of opportunities for everybody. So I don't understand. And I know that hate is taught. People learn that in the house. Kids aren't born to hate, you know, a person of a certain color. Mm Mm-hmm. They hear their parents talking about it. They learn the sling in their house. Um, Mm -hmm. Growing up, one of my best friends, Tina, and we're still friends to this day, was white. Her mother welcomed me in her house like I was her child, and my mother did the same for Tina. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's very sad to see the direction and the division that is happening with the pretender in chief. Yep. I think that really it comes down to the people don't like change and they don't understand that the old ways don't work anymore. You can't have the old ways when they're interracial couples, multicultural couples. Like I read some article where it says in 50 years that there's not going to have any black or white people. We're just going to all be one blended color. And I think that's a beautiful statement to make because right now, and we see it at these rallies and everything where, you know, it's these, this older white generation that's trying to hold on staunchly to separatism and segregation. Like, I, I, didn't, I don't have to play, let my children play with this person because of the color. They're trying to hold on to an idealism that is long dead. But luckily, I always say to myself and I say to my children, you guys are going to be the future. And this generation that's doing all of this right now that we're seeing on the television and we're hearing about, they're dying out and slowly, even if it takes another 50 years, this won't have to happen anymore. But they're teaching their grandchildren and their children the same hate. Because if you look like um that rallied in Charlottesville, those are young kids carrying those torches. I know. And, you know, and what we have to really think and what I choose to believe is that, you know, that they'll that they'll learn better that they'll do better because in this world and I've we always see the bad but then there's articles where there's you know kids that go to these rallies and stuff and then they come and they change their stance like I was completely wrong 
And there's actually some that sit and talk to other people and community leaders and black people at their college and they're learning. And I'm hoping that because they're younger and they're learning that they'll change. I recall my son telling me at college that they had a kind of like just a grassroots thing where they all just sat out in the quad and it was black kids and white kids and they all asked questions of each other and one white kid caught up and said, I don't see why we have to always mix together. And after they sat and talked to him and told them him how they feel when they have to drive home in a car and worry about the cops pulling them over or telling him, hey, you need to come hang out with me for a day and see how uncomfortable it can be for me sometimes. My son said he saw a complete difference in this boy, that the boy just broke down and was like, I would never have imagined it because no one's ever told me. So I think that a discussion needs to be had because if we don't tell them, they're never going to learn. Right. Now, some there are the, the small few who don't want to learn who um, want to stew in hate, and it's about 32% of them. And there's, I, I feel like the only thing that we can do in those cases is what our beautiful former first lady said, and is go high, rise above. Exactly. You, hate, doesn't, hate can't stand up to the light. And I choose to believe that that percentage, when the light hits it, will have to go away right now. You're right, it's the man that's in office right now that's really causing a lot of this divisiveness. I hope that in 2020, people vote for a change that brings back around something better because our children have to live in this world. And after they create this chaos and he leaves, they're the ones that are going to have to rebuild it. It's not on me or you anymore. It's on our children. And I really hope that a definite change comes around in 2020 because when the light hits, one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to change and rise up and understand or they're going to have to go back into darkness and stew in the hate because people won't allow it. And I think that that we're at this breaking point as a country. Um, and it's time to say enough is enough and it's time to start healing. It's time to mm -hmm. start restoring. Um, because in the last few years a lot has been torn down and torn apart yep and in order to it's do that you're right it's your son's generation who's going to have to stand up and say no more mm -hmm. and I think that it, I think it will happen because I don't claim to be a Christian or a woman of faith I believe in everything I believe in love I believe in God I believe in Buddha shamanism I believe in everything but I do believe wholeheartedly that there's going to be a change and it is coming. You can feel it rippling in the ether. The more hateful it gets, something is rising to combat it. So I'm just holding on to that faith that something better is coming. That's all we can do right now. Amen. And on that note, we're going to take our first break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, Emerald Star Press. Publishing from the author's point of view, Creative Touch Design Firm, taking your manuscript to a market-ready, polished book, and also Sensual Kisses Body Collection, five-quality products at an affordable price. Your girl got to pay some bills. We'll be right back after this musical selections and some words from our sponsors. Don't go anywhere. It's a day with destiny on iTunes and Launchpad.com. 
Have you written a book? 
and you don't know what to do next? Let the professionals at Creative Touch Design help take your manuscript to a polished, market-ready book. We offer services like cover design, galley design, and marketing and promotional materials, specializing in ebook and trade paperback. For rate card information, email Creative Touch Trailers at gmail.com. Welcome back out there. It's your girl, literary personality, Destiny Carter, and you are on a date with Destiny and Daya, the double D's. We in the house tonight. Hey. (laughs) We're going to get right back in, and I hope you enjoyed our musical break, and don't forget to patronize our sponsors. Now, let's talk about the book industry, because you're an author. Um, Okay. Bringing Up Mommy. Let's talk about that book first. Um, okay, tell us well, a little bit about it and what it is. Well, that book is like my, that's like my trophy book because right when that book came out, I became a USA Today bestselling author. So that book's always going to have a special place in my heart. Um, Bringing Up Mommy is basically small town love. Um, you have our hero. His name is Sheriff Carter, and he had loved the heroine from the time he met her when she used to be his tutor. I mean, he is completely infatuated with her. And even when she moved away from, you know, the small town based in North Carolina, he still loved her. So she goes off. She has this traditional, you know, relationship. And she becomes this well and successful person in Chicago only to be, you know, trapped in an situation where she's being accused of being in bedling. It actually wasn't her, but it was her very manipulative boyfriend who really didn't want to have children. And she moves home thinking that everyone is going to be ashamed of her, but she moves home to find that nobody cares. And Carter still loves her. I have to say that this is the May to December book because she's older and he's younger. And in the midst of them getting to know each other, she gets pregnant. And then now we have to deal with older woman pregnant, younger guy. And she's Which so, is happening a lot. Yep. And she's so worried about small town gossip because there's a backstory with her father and her mother and the main reason why she ran away. Won't give it away. You have to read the book. <laughs> but she basically has to learn how to get over the old traumas, deal with the new traumas, excuse me, that has come up. And she also has to deal with, you know, figuring out that loving a younger man is okay, because no matter what, this man absolutely adores her. So there's a lot of emotional growth for her, especially for his parents, because it's not the traditional relationship. And his mother has a little bit of a hard time getting over that fact. So it's, Go ahead. ahead. No, I was just, I, I, a thought just popped in my head. Now, you say she's older and he's younger now. And I feel mm-hmm. like in our society, even still today, it's much more 
head snapping for it to be an older woman and a younger man, but exactly. But uh, you don't. They don't even look twice at a man who's with a woman old, young enough to be his daughter. Exactly, and that's the, that's the mystique of it, and I don't understand why it's so taboo that you know an older woman can fall in love with a younger man. I mean, they make it seem like if it's like her taking advantage of him. But on the other aspect, we've got these older men and these younger women, and no one seems, they're like, oh, he he's a player. He's, you know, he's got this going on. And look at you, buddy. You got you a young one. Woo. And when it comes to older women, we're all automatically, oh, she's a cougar. And or it's she's not desperate. said in a good way. Mm-hmm. Or she's desperate. Um, and my grandma married a younger man, and she had her last baby at 42. So there's only mm-hmm. 11 years difference between me and my youngest aunt. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and I, I know people that's 53 and, I mean, having children it, it's with a, younger it's men. A, well, and like you said, it's and it's crazy that it still gets stigmatized, but mm-hmm. we don't think twice. Look at Hugh Hefner. I, look, by the time they got 20, they was too old for his 80-year-old ass. Exactly, <laughs> and it's, it's, I don't understand why it's like, oh, she she isn't mature enough. She can't handle a real relationship. If not, she'd have an older man. Why is it that for a woman, but in a male aspect, shouldn't he be mature enough to handle an older woman? Right. So I really think, I really wanted to break down that stigma in this book and show that, you know, People can love who the hell they want to love, basically. It doesn't age, color, race, doesn't religion, doesn't matter. And I also wrote it in small town, North Carolina. So his mother was basically, you know, oh, what are my friends going to think? She's older and you're younger. And it's not even really the color thing. She just thought it was an older woman taking advantage of her young son when it was basically her young son that pursued McKenna from the time she got back into the small town. But, uh, I mean, people really loved it because they said that it touched on a subject that really hasn't been touched on with the older woman, younger man scenario. And I think that I really brought up to the readers that it can happen and there's nothing wrong with it. You was just throwing out them taboos all over the place in this book, huh? Uh, oh, yeah, well... <laughs> Look, look, uh, trouble starter, rabble rouser. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mind that title at all because you know what? I, I'll start a little trouble every now and again. You gotta yeah, there, keep life that interesting. Makes it fun, doesn't it? It does. Now, how are you? I always ask my authors, how did you publish your book? Well, these, I used to have traditional publishers. I still have one. I'm changing press. And right now, I mainly self-publish under my own brand, Dolly Rose Inscripted, through Amazon and every other distributor that will take me. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've been in this business for 14 years, and I've learned the ins and the outs, sometimes the very hard way, with a publisher stealing my money or going ghost and keeping my books under contract. And, you know, after a while of learning. The publishing industry can be a dirty business. It can. They think that Hollywood can be dirty. Oh, no, you have not met the publishing industry. Not yet. It can be. 
Um, I learned the hard way, too. Um, and as a newbie, sometimes newbies, they get eaten alive, which is why oh. I created the book, Basics Workbook, um, to kind of help navigate. But, it, you know, mm-hmm. people people say, oh, I got this, I got this, and they don't really realize, no, you don't got this. Um, no. Why should I pay you $45 for a class? Well, you could pay me $45, or you can get conned out of thousands of dollars. So, and that's what we deal with. We deal with that every do you when I first started I cannot name the amount of publishers that took my money and left and didn't give me my books back and I had to fight tooth and nail to get these books back. And I try to tell people learn from experience. Mm-hmm. You never will if you put all your eggs in one basket, trust me, you're gonna drop that basket and everything's gonna break. Distribute wide with nothing, right? Exactly, and they but, don't. Sometimes they listen, and sometimes they don't. I was just about to say it's hard when somebody thinks that they know what they're doing. Maybe you are an excellent writer, but there is a lot of business strokes and finesses um, that you have mm-hmm. to learn. Even even how to set up a Barnes and Noble account or how to set up, like you said, an Amazon account. Um, who to deal with when you talk about building a professional team, um, yeah. an editor, graphic designer. If you're going to be an independent publisher, you have to have all of those people on your team to have a successful project. And people you can trust because, I mean, I like I have a, I have a really big network of people and I have cover artists and designers and editors and everything. And I made a little resource pamphlet of people that I could – trust and I know that other people could trust and I asked all these editors and cover artists and publishers would you mind if I put you in this pamphlet so that for new authors they know where they can go because so many of them get cheated out of their money or you know they get stolen from bad editors bad reviews and they quit and it's not that you're a bad writer you might have had the wrong information so that's one of the major things I always said when I or made somebody it pretending to be a professional that's not and they're not yes exactly and I always said if when I made it and I became successful I would help other people and I thought you know what this pamphlet would help people you give them the tools to help themselves and they they'll start out better than I did they won't have to go through the things that I did right or 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 me because like you said we've been in the game when the self-publishing and independent publishing had just started. So mm-hmm. there was a lot to to not know, and there was a lot mm-hmm. to learn um, yep. because it was so new for all of us, for everything. And we were all just basically throwing things against the wall and hoping something sticks at that point. And Correct. This, had, this was before Amazon came out with Kindle, so before we had iTunes reading, before we had any of that, we were basically all just like fish out of water, just trying to survive. And I mean, I'm blessed that I'm still here because there's many that I think that I was with and that I've grown with and evolved with that aren't in the business anymore because they just gave up. I feel that too. Um, And it's definitely a grind. You know, I once tried to manage an author who thought that just because she wrote a book and her story was good, that boom, she was going to be on Oprah's sofa. (laughs) <laughs> um, no, I'm not kidding you. I'm I'm serious. That is actually what she believed. Um, oh, goodness. 
So it was really hard. And then Lifetime called, and they wanted to interview her on um, one of their daytime talk shows, me and her, um, me mm-hmm. as her publisher and mentor. Girl, she lost her mind. Do you hear me? <laughs> lost her flipping mind. Oh, and dear. I, and, yeah, and I think in those cases, if you've if it, it wasn't her that did this, it was me and my contacts and me putting the stuff out there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But but you wanted to take credit for it. She wanted to put on the sunglasses and no pictures from the press. Exactly. I get it. Um, it's it's a grind. It is. She doesn't understand that. It's a grind. It's a business. And you also have to protect your reputation. And with social, Mm -hmm. social media, things can boom out of hand at any moment. Yep. I live by the premise that, and I know you see me on social media and I talk my shit and all that (laughs) stuff, but I live on the premise that what you see is what you get. If I don't, if I don't blow smoke, you can't say that I'm I'm telling you it's a breeze. You know what I mean? I tell you the truth. I tell you honestly what I'm doing and what I'm saying, what I'm thinking. And you can never say that I lied. That's how I live my life. I've always lived my life that way. And it's the same thing with my with books and, you know, publishing. What you see is what you get. I don't put on airs. I don't need to put on airs. I'm just... Honestly, and I keep telling people that they think that being an author is this amazingly, you know, contemporary life. I'm living in this amazing apartment with this white room, with a white cat sitting on my lap while I type on the computer, wearing sunglasses at two in in the afternoon drinking a mimosa. It's not that. I'm literally in my pajamas all day and I'm writing. And my hair is not done, and I don't have makeup on, and I throw a shoe at the dog for chewing on my carpet, and it's basically that's basically it. It's not nope. this whole magnificent life. It's work. I have struggled and basically destroyed my hands in marketing and running through airports and buying swag, losing money, gaining money trying every which way for 14 years to build my brand and to build my name. So if people get into this thinking that you're just going to have this life of elite instant fame, it doesn't work that way. You have to really, really put yourself behind these books because an author told me really early on, you are as good as your book you put out. You're as good as that book. If you put six months between a book, someone's going to forget about you. And in this business where we're small press and we're indie publishing, we are basically as good as our next book. So we have to keep pushing. And even when you do get on Oprah or Lifetime, don't forget that you started out struggling because that is what your story is. You struggled and you fought and you did everything to get where you need to be. Right. And and the grind has to continue because they'll forget you in between books. And you mm-hmm. have to, in, in this day and age, it's all about marketing, promotion, interacting with your readers, um, finding platforms to find new readers, um, like credible 
talk shows and blog shows. Now, there yeah. was a time when everybody and their mama wanted to have a blog talk show. Um, yeah, but I, I remember think, that. Yeah, but I think that that has died down now, and you have more of the professionals like myself who mm-hmm. do this because it's what they're supposed to do and not just because they want to hear themselves streaming on um, blog talk. Exactly. Exactly. And, I mean, with podcasting and everything, people always ask me, like, why don't you have your own podcast? Why aren't you doing this? And I'm like, because I am not the person you want to hear talking on radio or anything every day or every week. I really don't want to. I'm an incurable introvert. I don't like to put myself out there. I like my books. And there's just some things that I know that I can do, and there's some things that I know that I can't do. And one of the things I can't do is be a host of anything. Well, and you I know, know what? My, I know my place. One of my authors, um, who said it? Ingrid Brown said that writing is a very introverted activity. So mm-hmm. it, it takes a special kind of creative to be as introverted to spend time to write a novel, but having to promote the novel and reach your readers has now turned out to be a very extroverted activity and it can be and it can be hard um to switch gears and um to to rise up to that challenge it is i always tell people i'm an introvert with some extrovert qualifications that i use when i have to and when i don't have to use them they go back into it it's a little case and i sit at home in my quiet, in my office, and I work because that's basically what I love. I I adore going to events, and I love meeting the readers, and I love networking with other authors. Don't get me wrong. That's a major part. But after that, I need to find me again because that takes a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that I'm, people think that, you know, Dolly of is on Facebook. She's always talking. She seems She's always going out, but look who I go out with. I go out with my husband. <laughs> so I'm really a wallflower. My family can tell you very limited pictures of me growing up because where was Kelly? That's my real name, by the way, Kelly. And where was I? I was somewhere with a stack of books that I got from the library, and you have to pull me away from them to get a picture, and then my face is grumpy, so I do not have any smiling pictures out there. Growing up, and I I was the opposite. I was very much had my mom. I always tell my mom she missed the boat because had she been a better stage mom, we could have both been super rich by now. So could have been one of those Real Housewives of Atlanta. Oh no, no, ma'am, not them. Look, not look, (laughs) not 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 the ratchet. But had you know, had she been a little bit more uh, Kardashian esque. We could have both mm-hmm. been. It look, has she been a little bit more Chris Jenner esque? You know. Oh yeah, manager, we, mom, momager. Yes, uh, we would have both been rich by now. So <laughs> she always laughs at that. Tell me, gone girl. I said, I'm just serious. You could have had that Mercedes. Look, could have had that big house and everything. Exactly. It ain't too well, late now. She can still be your momager. Come on. <laughs> you know that's a different story for a different day. We're good. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to pause and take a break, our last break, and pay some bills, hear from our sponsors, and a musical break. 
This is A Day With Destiny, distributed by iTunes and Launchpad.com. And, of course, Destiny Carter Radio. Keep it locked. We'll be right back with Dahlia Rose on date night. Star Press and Destiny Carter Novels presents a new release, More Than a Wish, an urban romance by Destiny Carter. Isis Masters finally has her life back on track. After losing the love of her life, she picks up and starts a movie studio in Cable Channel. She has everything a woman could want, including a hot, adoring man. When Cameron Fears re-enters her life, she struggles with risking it all to capture what she once had with the love of her life. When a twisted secret is revealed, fate may have its way. After all, the years of heartbreak and distance, no relationship is safe. No one will come out the same. Available on Amazon.com and where all great books are sold. Love. 
Welcome back out there. You have been chilling like a villain on a date with Destiny and Daya, the double D's in the house. Hey. We have been talking about literature, life, and everything. And that's my girl, Holly, y'all, out now. Hey, definitely. You've been in the game for 14 years, so you bring 14 years of wisdom, heartbreak, joy, experiences. What would be one piece of advice you would give to the new author out there or the person thinking about writing their book? Oh, that's a, only one piece of advice, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Align yourself with people that have your best interest at heart. You actually have to be really critical about who you're going to network with, who you're going to choose to do your covers, who you're going to choose to be your editor. And you have to really just tread carefully, market well, and don't think that the book is going to sell itself. You are the book. You have to sell yourself and the book to bring the readers back for the next one and the one after that. So just keep pushing and don't give up. If this is your dream and this is your passion, keep going for it because nothing's going to stop you if you put your mind to it. Nobody's going to work harder for your dream than you are. Correct. That is Excellent advice, and don't expect to be rich overnight because it doesn't happen. Nope, I'm not rich. (laughs) I wish. Neither am I because I work for my money. As Claire Hustable once said, rich is when you don't have to work for the money, and I worked hard for my money. Exactly. My husband always says that. He says, I'm not an officer because, you you know, I'm a Sarge because Sarge has to work for his money. Officers don't. So I understand that completely. 
and that's the way it is. Now tell my listeners out there on in the iTunes world and launchpad.com and Destiny Carter Radio how they can get at you, get your books, and interact. Well, they can find me on Facebook. Just look for Dahlia Rose and, you know, you'll find me there. Or you can find me on my fan page, Fans of Dahlia Rose on Facebook. On Instagram, it's Dahlia Rose 1029, and that's the same for Twitter. And you can find me on my website, which is www.dahliaroseunscripted.com. There you can sign up for my newsletter. We always have cool contests going out for new releases. And I love talking to people when they contact me and they ask about books, whatever. I'm really friendly. Don't let the prickly persona fool you. (laughs) Now give your website again because I think it cut out a little bit. Okay. It's www.dahliarodesunscripted.com. Okay. That that time we got it. I wanted to make sure that it was loud and clear and everybody heard you said what you said, okay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> now, I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with us tonight. Of course, this is season 16 of the award-winning show, A Date with Destiny. I, of course, am your hostess with the mostest, Destiny Carter, Reminding you to patronize our sponsors, Emerald Star Press, Sensual Kisses Body Collections, and Creative Touch Design Firm, taking your manuscript to a polished, market-ready book. And, of course, don't forget to check me out. Your girl just dropped her newest novel, More Than a Wish, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and we're Ever you find great books. If you want to check out the trailer, hop over to YouTube.com and find us at Creative Trailers. Um, or no, B Trailers is the YouTube. And you can see the book trailer and the book commercial and everything that's new with Destiny. Of course, we're distributed by iTunes and Launchpad.com. Find us on Destiny Carter Radio. Until the next time you're under the sound of my voice, I'm your host, Destiny Carter. Don't miss your destiny. For Dahlia Rose, good night. Good night, everyone. Thank you. This podcast content has been brought to you by Destiny Carter Radio, a subsidiary of Emerald Stars Media. For more podcast content, visit DestinyCarterRadio.com